0: All right. Good morning. Man, I hate to break up the fellowship. Um, so today we are going to be talking about discovering marriage, discovering marriage. I know some of you probably feel like it's a bit late for that. And within that, we're going to be talking about defining marriage. Now, people around us, our society, you know, they could probably stop us and ask, why get married? Why get married? And I know if you grew up in church or even in a home with certain values, this doesn't even seem like a relevant question. But I want to say that in the world around us, this is a very relevant question. It's a very relevant question. The divorce rate for many years has lingered between 40 to 50 percent in our society And sometimes, you know, that number is a bit diluted because a lot of people just don't even get married. They just live together, have kids, you know, kind of try to build a family or a home that way. So, why even get married? And in order to answer that question, and I think that that, that's a good question, that I believe every Christian couple should be able to give a very good answer to. But in order to answer that question, well, we got to define what marriage is, what marriage you're talking about. Because marriage, the concept of marriage, is confused in our society. There are a lot of different voices out there making demands, making claims on what marriage is, what it should be, where it came from, these types of things. I think one of the most obvious and prevalent ones right now is is homosexual marriage. Well, why can't people of the same gender get married? We love each other just like a heterosexual couple would love each other, so what's preventing us? You know, you just don't want us to have what you have type thing. And that is a that is not a scarce view but that voice is out there it's loud there's another one that we don't have as much maybe you do but I don't know that I do hear this as much polygamy 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 kind of the opposite of monogamy you know one one husband one wife type thing and this obviously made popular by the Mormons right so In defining marriage, looking culturally, what's around us, one of the concepts is is polygamy, right? And this is taught in a couple different senses. Some people even point to the Bible for this and say, well, I mean, look at David and Solomon and on and on and on, there were multiple wives. You can go back to the patriarchs. You could look at Abraham, even Abraham, who didn't necessarily have multiple wives, but we got the handmaid and they're trying to have kids there and all this kind of stuff and Jacob, you know, Jacob's, I don't know that he desired both Leah and Rachel, but that's what he got. And, you know, see, so you, you know, some people point to the Bible and say, well, well the, biblically there's this precedence for that. And this still goes on today in different places. And one of the main concepts, some people point kind of religiously to this concept, but then other people point to a different kind of concept and say, you know, uh, Monogamy is a cultural concept that's been taught traditionally, but uh, that doesn't mean it's right. And some people cannot have their needs met by one person, but they need different things from different people. And so a, a polygamous relationship or even a polygamous relationship outside of marriage, you know, one person with multiple partners type thing. And you go, oh, that's crazy or that's disgusting or whatever else you might feel. This is out there. And it's again, it's not like two people come up with it. This is this is something that's being taught. Your your friendly local television has some of this concept. Of course, your local television has a lot of concepts, by the way. Now, homosexual and polygamous marriages were ones that you know obviously the religious crowd would fire up and start screaming against. But when we're defining marriage, we need to go a step further. You know, we need to go beyond just what might be taught at a church house or someplace like this, we need to go and we need to go to God's concept of marriage, right? Because he's the author of it. And God's concept, here's some other marriages that we don't talk as much about. You'll hear preachers pounding the pulpit about homosexual marriages, but what about the chauvinist marriage? What about the chauvinist marriage? One where, and this this is also, you see these in cultures, you know, the wife is property more than a person. Guys, great job on not amening right there. That was a really good job. That was that was not the time. There's always somebody in the crowd amening at the wrong time. These cultures where the wife is, is not allowed to lift her head above the husband's, or she has to walk behind the husband, or she is her will is not considered, but she is to be subservient to the husband and blah blah blah, this kind of thing. There are some cultures around the world where women are not allowed to go out in public without a male member of the family. That's why in those cultures, women are excited to have male children because a wife, if she has a male child, can kind of go anywhere she wants as long as she has. These are, this isn't a thousand years ago. This is on the planet right now in large countries. Not just, you know, there's some obscure little, you know, 500 people in it. No, 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 These are, these are, so chauvinist type marriages. Something I think it's more prevalent in our country, selfish marriages. And what I mean by selfish marriages is, and I'm not saying there's a selfish person in the marriage because there's a selfish person in almost every single marriage. But a marriage that is built on the concept of, now what am I going to get out of it? Well, I'll get married so I can... So my mom and my dad had gotten a divorce and my dad lived in the area still. And so my dad and sometimes my brother, but by and large, just me and my dad would go to breakfast on like every other Saturday morning or something like that. So we could try to stay connected. And uh, you've heard from other stories. My dad was a really different person. So one day we're sitting there and we got to breakfast and my dad looks up and he says, I'm getting married. And I was like, "Wow, okay." Uh, I, I, I knew he had. Uh, I knew he had, semi, been dating this lady, but she moved to Arizona for a job, and he said, "I'm getting married." And I was like, "To who?" And he's like, "Oh, there's this lady." And he says, and I was like, "Oh, you really want to do that?" And he was like, "Well, I need the health insurance." His, <laughs> words, his words. He didn't talk about love, commitment companionship. None of that. He was like, no, she's got a good job. And if we get married, I'm on her health insurance. And that I really need health insurance right now. It's the whole concept. She lived in Arizona. And he was like, yeah, it's not a problem. Well, then he gets married and finds out it doesn't work that way. You have to live in the same area as this person. So you end up having to move to Arizona For love. No, his health insurance is just, this is the life of my dad, right? But that's selfish marriages. People, hey, what do I get out of this? I want to get married so I can get, right? Men, I want to have some sex. And so I need to get married so I can maintain kind of my social acceptance within whatever group and marriages. And and women can, you know, I want to have kids. And there's nothing wrong with men wanting companionship or women wanting kids. But for selfish reasons, you gotta be careful about that. They sure can be. It's not about sharing a life together. It becomes about, hey, what can I get out of this thing? And selfish marriages rarely succeed, Mm -hmm. rarely succeed. Because when you have two people just trying to get what they want, they have little of no concern for what the other one needs and then you're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. And so we gotta be careful about that. Selfish marriages. And then what I call separate marriages. Separate marriages. These are the people who have decided to cohabitate together in some kind of more contractual agreement than any type of love or anything like that. They just feel it as a mutual benefit, and yet they want to divide up their lives. And so they have different friend groups, right? He's got his friends, I've got my friends. They have different bank accounts. They have just different lives. They have separate lives. I'm not picking on my dad. I love my dad. But my dad, so as he was moving forward, my dad's life was kind of like a soap opera and, and, it, and I learned if I just kind of watched it, it was entertaining. Like if you felt like you had to fix it, you stress yourself out, right? There's no fixing what he had. And so I would just kind of watch it and ask questions, and everything. So he was telling me he had a dog, a little Pomeranian named Pookie. And again, let none of these things surprise you. And... I think he had a cat too. I can't remember. And then he was telling me about his wife that he was going to be moving down with in Arizona and how she had, I think, a couple dogs and a couple cats. And I'm like, well, Al, I mean, I know that, you know, Pookie sleeps in the bed and, you know, your new wife, she's got all these animals, which likely they stay in her bed. You guys aren't going to fit in the same bed together. And my dad looks at me like I grew a third arm. And he goes, well, we're not going to be in the same room. It's <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. It's like, I have my own room. So he's moving to Arizona to live in the same house as this lady and have her own room. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this. It's probably pre, you know before many of you. But one of the controversial things about the Brady Bunch, if I remember correctly, is it was one of the first sitcoms where the husband and wife shared the same bed. Right? I know. See, they were warning us about TV all the way back then. (laughs) Man, I want to say a lot there, but I I kind of... I I want to have the right concept of marriage, but I know some people are really hypersensitive about anything that they see on TV and stuff like this, and I think we should... We need to be separated under the Lord, and I totally agree with that, but also, if you see... like if you're so fragile and frail that, you know, you're watching TV one day and a polygamous marriage comes up and that changes your concept of marriage, you really didn't have much of a concept of marriage in the first place. let just toss that out there. Okay. And then of course, so we have these separate marriages, people who are living together, but they've got these things divided up and I've seen all of these firsthand. And then finally there's the one we talked about before, which is just no marriage. No marriage. I mean, marriage is, is messy and all this other stuff. You know, you got to get a marriage license and have a ceremony and you're getting the families together, which is really a good idea. And, you know, <laughs> you got all this stuff. And, and why, why all the drama, right? And years ago, you know, like with the Scarlet Letter and these types of things, to not be married was very shameful. And this, by the way, I'm not even just talking about ancient times. I'm talking about 100 years ago in America, that you would be a social outcast if you were not married. And that's why people like my grandparents, my grandmother, I believe, was married three times and my grandfather was married twice. That's on my dad's side. You would see these marriages over and over. you see like the woman at the well type thing. You've had five husbands, right? Because it was socially unacceptable to not be married so people would just end up with the, going through these things and having multiple marriages. And that's not shaming people into bad marriages is no better a concept than any of the other things. And again, that's why we have to be careful because what happens is, is that we'll build this concept of, well, the world doesn't understand marriage, but the church does. The church only understands marriage if its foundation is the Bible, there right? right? Oh, yeah. But there's a, many a church that's got just as screwed up his view about marriage as the lost world does. Right whether it be polygamy or chauvinism or, or whatever else, whatever other concept that is not from God. So if, you're gonna, if we're gonna answer the question and say, okay, why should somebody get married? The first thing you gotta ask is, well, what's your definition of marriage? What kind of marriage are you talking about? And that's why I wanna go to Genesis chapter two. If you have your Bibles or a phone or something that you like to, go to Genesis chapter number two, and we'll start to discover God's design in marriage. How did God put marriage together? And while you're turning there, I just want to say that what you think about marriage, what you think marriage to be, what I think marriage to be, is going to greatly affect the marriages we have. It's going to affect what I put into marriage and how I treat my marriage. It's going to affect my concept of success in marriage, this type of thing. So in Genesis chapter number two, and I'm going to read just we're going to have to look at these couple of verses together, but in Genesis chapter two and verse number 18, the Bible says, "And the Lord God said, "It is not good that the man should be alone." Now, there's one context, but many applications, and I think you could preach a whole message on it's got good that men should be alone." I think that's just a good concept there, but <laughs> the man should." should be alone, I will make a help meet for him. I will make a help meet for him. So here's some obvious things that you probably already understand, but God did not fail. God didn't come to his creation because remember, God inspected his creation, right? God, he created the light, saw that it was good, you know, this type of thing. Well, it comes to man and he says, it's not good that the man should be alone. Now, that doesn't mean God showed up and was like, okay, where's Adam? Oh, 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 man. It's this is look what Adam's doing. You know, he's running all over the garden, spray painting things, and it's just not good that man should be alone, doesn't know how to cook, and you know this kind of thing. <laughs> I, I feel like some people paint that concept of marriage, is why I, I poke at it. But God didn't mess anything up here. God was revealing his plan and his purpose and so he takes if you will a pause and he puts special effort in creating the marriage relationship think about all the other things god created he spoke it was so he spoke it was full we see coming up that he did form animals of the ground but he breathed into man the breath of life and, and Eve is taken from Adam, this very special effort by God. God could have just spoke Eve into existence the same time he did Adam. He didn't have to do these things, but he did on purpose. Why? So that you and I would pay attention. To, okay, God put some special effort in here. We need to pay attention to that. So God's plan was not complete in Adam's life until the creation of Eve. So it tells us that it's not good for men to live without woman in God's original design. And we, we own a couple of things. We understand that this is the garden, right? There, sin hasn't entered into the world. There's no corruption. There's no satanic influence or anything like that. This is just God's original design, and he designed man and woman. And we can, we, we can figure a lot of things out here. And I know that, again, I know that, you know, Baptist preachers and he created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And and I think sometimes we kind of create these trite little sayings. And in doing so, we actually screw some things up in the sense that we fail to emphasize the things God was emphasizing. And here's a simple reality, guys. God, when he said it's not good that man should be alone, God could have just created another man. Right? He could just, there you go but he didn't and as much as he created and it's so interesting here that he says i will create a help meet for him that in doing so he created someone with a lot of opposites have you ever thought about that not just physically but mentally emotionally there were some opposites and sometimes i think and i've said this before we really get a contaminated view of marriage because we feel like the differences between us are going to destroy us. And so we got to push away from them and ignore them and no, we got to embrace them and discover and develop them because that was God's original design. And I, I don't want to say this. I love God's design. I am so thankful that God didn't just give me a guy and say, here you go, Dan. Uh, that will work. And I've got some great male friends. But the relationship that God has designed called marriage is is cannot be fulfilled a man to a man. Now, if you take some of the corrupted concepts of marriage that we just talked about, you definitely could take a man and a man and still have success in that thing. If you're using the world's definition of what marriage is, but when you're using God's definition... You realize, no, there are certain things that can't be fulfilled. And this is the crazy part. This is the crazy part. <clears throat> for every polygamous relationship, for every selfish relationship, for every homosexual relationship, whatever you want to look at the society has done, or culture, or sin, or whatever, for every one of those, you know what you're going to find? People trying to find satisfaction and fulfillment and happiness and all these things. And what's so sad is that's what God had originally designed. That's right. <clears throat> they are actually seeking after. Thousands of years later, thousands of years later, thousands of cultures and all of these things and all these differences, man is still, men and women are still seeking the thing God had designed and created in the very beginning. God did not create this relationship so that man would arduously have this thing. And that's really important because some people try to say this about marriage. Well, it's out of date. It's out of date. The marriage you're talking about is old-fashioned. It is culturally out of touch and irrelevant. Right. And that's not true. That is not true. To this day, men and women are seeking companionship, Mm -hmm. fulfillment, all of these things that God had originally designed, having a family, God had originally designed that. And that's why there's such a big fight for marriage. You think with all of the problems, with all, if I could say it this way, with all the bad publicity and bad press that marriage gets, you think we would have just given up on it. In some societies are like borderline half, right? But you think we've just given up on it. And yet, go look up the statistics on your dating apps. They are just thousands, hundreds, and millions of people. Why? Because in Man's original design, we discover, hey, God designed that we should not be alone. God designed that. So in God's plan, he creates woman, and the Bible says that she is a help meet for him. The word meet here has to do, and, and it's, uh, we have to be so careful how we define biblical words. We have to define them by the context. There's always some person who wants to take a word and say, well, this word meant in the Greek or in the Hebrew, or at one time this word meant this, therefore I can apply it to this context. Remember, the way we define words in our language is context. Let me give you an example of this. So I'm going to say the word horn, horn. Now, what popped into your head? Somebody raise your hand and say, what popped into your head, as long as it's Group appropriate. Did uh, I <laughs> say a horn? Brother, Brother, Brother Andy. Horn of an animal. Horn of an animal. It's a good one. Horn sitting on the front of a Cadillac. Old old, old six 69 Cadillac. Okay, Steve? Musical horn. Musical horn. Musical horn. Anybody else? Warm ears horn. What? Oh, what? Warm ears horn. Warm ears. Oh, I'm sorry. I did you lost me right there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Thank you for bailing me out and explaining what that was. I'm, I'm normally pretty good with pop culture, but I just got that, that not. And if you're going to throw in a Harry Potter one, you're really going to lose me. <laughs> no, no, no. so. Car, horn. Car horn. That's the one I was thinking of. Car horn. Okay. Uh, horn planning. Okay. So how do you, if I use the word horn, how do you know what I'm talking about? Well, you're speaking English, and, and that comes from Anglo-Saxon, comes from multiple languages, and we go back and study the etymology of the word horn, we can discover what— but No, if you look at the context of what I'm talking about, you'll figure out which definition is appropriate to use. And the Bible is the very same way, where when it says it, it's helped meet for him— There is no concept in the garden of Adam has laundry that's got to be picked up and the dishes (laughs) are dirty and somebody's got to take care of the kids. And there's none of that. And God Himself makes clear His purpose for woman when He says, It's not good that the man should be alone. It's companionship. Companionship. And so He says, I'm going to create a help. Help what? What is woman helping? That's important. What is that? Nobody's nobody's there to bake pies. (laughs) So, no. The need that's being identified is companionship. And who can help fill and meet the need? Woman can. Help meet for him. Meet has to do with measured out or equal, right? Now, men, and this is interesting that the Bible says she's a help meet because women aren't equal to men. Before you take up stones to stone me, you're like, where is Sarah at? She would not put up with this nonsense. Men and women are not equal, meaning they're not made identical. Oh. No. But They are equal meat in value. That's, that's where we chauvinism is built off of what I call gender valuing, right? I am worth more than you are because I'm male or in some cultures because I'm female. There are, and this is not anything new, communism, there's other, like in India, there's a tiered society, right? And, and if you're born in the wrong cultural group, you're just worth less. Literally, people just look at you and treat they, you're not allowed certain privileges because just because people value you based on birth and nothing else, That is that is a sin concept. That is not a God concept. That's not a Bible concept. And so... When God creates man and woman, now, do they have different roles and serve different purposes? Yes. Yes. And I'm, I'm, there probably is out there, I, I'm not even gonna investigate this because I don't want to know if there is, but I'm sure there's some group out there where men are wanting to have the babies because they feel left out because the women get to have the kids and the women are like, you knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> but that's been assigned by... God, right? God did that. And so some of these things get confused in marriage because they don't understand. And are certain members in relationships better equipped for certain tasks? Well, duh, yes. Very much so. God's designed us that way. But being designed to accomplish a particular task or fulfilling a particular role in a relationship does not make you more superior to the other person in the relationship. And this is, this is, now... I'm talking on a larger biblical concept, but we should bring it down to something simple. Do you talk down to your spouse in any area? And I've heard husbands, and I, don't, I can't, it's hard to stomach, but I've heard husbands talk to their wives like they're talking to small children. Honey, da-da-da-da-da. it's like, uh, ooh, I don't know where you grew up. It's a different world for you, obviously. That would not float or fly or anything in my home. But I've also seen women talk down to their husband. I, I've, I've got it. I'm going to tell the story again. So I'm, it's, a, it's a rerun for okay. those who've heard it before, okay? My wife and I were in Winco. This is a true story. We're in Winco, and you know, I, I don't know if they have fixed it because I haven't been there in a long time because they invented Instacart. But I'm in Winco, and there's these long lines, and we're standing there, and this this husband is pushing the cart and his wife comes over and she picks up this scrub brush for dishes. She picks it up and goes, you're buying another one of these like out loud. And he's like, well, yeah, honey, the other ones, you know, it's went bad. She's like, we just bought one of these last month. And he's like, well, honey, I need them for the dishes. Like I'm, I'm in. I'm pretty sure my jaw was hanging open. I'm in complete disbelief. I think this is one of those like public skit type things. And she's like, uh, "I'm tired of having to buy these." And the daughter, older daughter, was like, "Yeah, Dad." And like me and my wife are just, I'm like, "What planet are we on?" Because this isn't like there's so many things wrong with this situation. First things, ladies. Let's let's check in with you. If your husband was wanting to buy yet another scrub brush so he could do the dishes, would you harass him? Like, baby, what you need? What you need? You want gloves? You want the long scrubby brush? You want the short scrubby brush? I get you all the scrubby brushes you want. You just take care of them dishes. Right? This lady's chewing her husband out for it. I'm amazed sometimes at how couples talk to each other. And this is where it creeps out from. It's obviously based in sin, our sin nature. But we don't realize that this kind of, if you start to think yourself more valuable than your spouse, you'll talk down to your spouse. And we got to be so careful about that because that's not God's design. That's not what God intended. That's not how God put it together. We want to be really careful about that. Now, that doesn't mean you have to talk your spouse up and tell them they're good at things they're not good at. You don't have to do that. But at the same time, we want to be careful about not putting them down. Why? Because we're their companion. And this is super important. We're their help. We're their help. I remember a long, long time ago, my boss, really nice boss. He would every year, or not every year, but most years he would buy us. Because the, the office I worked in was predominantly ladies. I think me and the boss were the only male there. Which is funny because... The person at the top and the person at the bottom were both males. Uh, so anyways, he would buy everybody tickets to the Nutcracker, the ballet there in Seattle. And so I'm talking to uh, my sister about it. She was like, oh, you should take Sarah. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to go. I don't to." She goes, well, does Sarah want to go? And I'm like, I don't really know. And I'm not really asking. I really don't want to go. And this is what she said to me. We were, we were dating at the time. Or uh, yeah, I can't remember we're married or whatever. I think we did get married. Yeah, we did eventually. Okay. Um, but uh, oh yeah, I uh, But my sister said to me, I thought this was so interesting. She said, you know, if Sarah wants to go to something like that, she doesn't have somebody else she can go with. And it kind of it dawned on me. Sometimes we forget that, that we would likely, oh, I hope you would be upset. <laughs> if your spouse just decided, oh, I'm just going to go off and have a romantic dinner with so-and-so or I'm going to go do these things that I, I want to do, and you don't have any desire to participate it would be really cuz men are jealous by and large there's a few of us not so much but <laughs> men are jealous by and large you know and territorial unfortunately and so it's like oh yeah, 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 yeah. but then you don't want to treat your wife good mm-hmm. it's like you know find a balance there AKA okay, don't be a jerk okay <laughs> so when god creates this relationship it's for companionship it's not for a system of comparison right who's better than who, who's worth more than who. And it's not a system of control. And as much as we have chauvinism in this country and different things, do we know that there are on this planet currently, there are, and I'm going to say it wrong, but patriarchal societies where, you know, the men are the the runners of everything, but there are very much matriarchal societies where the women run everything like England for many years. Okay. I've got a lot of England jokes. I got to work them in where I can. Um, But we we don't see that in God's design of marriage. And these things can creep into our lives and in our thinking. So the other thing I want you to think about as we kind of close up today is this thing about companionship. God said here in verse number 18, it's not good that the man should be alone. Well, if you keep reading, you're going to find out man wasn't alone. Animals were there. God brought the animals to Adam to name them. The animals were there. God spoke with man. God had a relationship with God. And yet God looked at those other relationships and said, that's not my design, that he would just have these things, right? It's that there would be a companion to him that is meat, that's like, it. it's another human being. And within that relationship that he has with this person, that it's somebody of the opposite sex and there's one of them. God didn't say, it's not good that man should be alone. Here's six wives. Right. Right? Right. And a lot of, a lot of, I know that some people can feel like, well, these concepts of marriage are just influenced by culture. And some of them probably have been. But when you push all that aside and go back and think about this, This account in Genesis is the oldest account of marriage in the world. There is no hieroglyphic somewhere. There is no presentation of marriage older on the planet than this one right here in the book of Genesis. It is the oldest writing, and it indicates to us the origin, the true origin of marriage, that it stems from God And we just look at his design in the beginning as we discover marriage and realize, hey, this is how God put these things together. I don't need to go out and fight with all the other marital concepts. If you want to go create a different concept, knock yourself out. But you're not going to have the success. You're not going to reap the rewards of God's marriage when you create something else and try to live that out. And I think in all of our lives, if we were honest, in all of our relationships, we'd have to say, you know, really, the difficulties that I've suffered in marriage are a result of my not participating in marriage the way God himself designed it. And so we're going to continue next week, Lord willing, as we continue to not only discover marriage the way God designed it, but really how that applies to us and we carry it through. So there you go.